Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 555th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments to get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Red Bull News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to American soccer from MLS all the way down to the lower levels, including the national team and other tournaments involving our clubs and our national teams. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have something, a question to ask me, I'll try to answer it uh, on my own. And let's get ready for this one before we get to the topics on tonight. Isn't it funny how this little rivalry Even though it's considered little around the world, it's big in this region. And that rivalry is the one between the U.S. Soccer Federation and the Federation of Mexican Football. Because now, who can get their hands on players who are Mexican descent but born in the United States and plays the world game. You would like to think that the U.S. Soccer Federation would be tapping into the potential that those who have come over our southern border, either looking for asylum or a new place to live, to be free of certain laws that they don't want to be a part of anymore want to live in this country and at the same time represent the flag of the United States where unfortunately they still represent Mexico. But that's okay. Times have changed. Attitudes have changed. Everything has changed. But one thing has not. And that is how many players that the United States develops that are of Mexican descent, and where will they play? Where do they feel most comfortable? In the U.S. through the MLS Academy system, the USL League's Academy systems of all the leagues and championship in League One, and of course, USL League Two, NPSL, UPSL, or do they want to go and play in Mexico and play for the Mexican national team because their parents are supporters of that club in Mexico and they support the Mexican national teams. As we all know, FIFA has that official paper, the official document where a player who wants to be part of a national team who would normally be for their country of birth can file for a one-time switch for a nation where their parents were not born in the United States but born in a different country, they could play for that country where their parents were born. And we all know the amount of players that have gone back and forth, forth and back on that southern border. 
Well, it looks like something has bit the rear end of the FMF. And it looks like that they are in trouble. News coming out, courtesy of Hercules Gomez of Football Americas of ESPN, and of course, Jenny Chu covering soccer for CBS Sports. Alejandro Sendejas, who was born in the United States, Mexican descent, who was a part of the U.S. youth national teams playing in official matches for them, which means that he needs that one-time document, that one-time switch document to officially play for Mexico, has not been signed. See, he currently plays for Club America. But before he played for America, he played for Guadalajara Chivas. And we all know the rules if you wish to play for the mighty Chivas of Guadalajara. You must be a full-blooded Mexican player. Even if you are a Mexican-American coming to play at Guadalajara, you must absolve yourself representing the U.S. men's national team. Alejandro Zendejas currently plays for Club America where that, uh, that rule does not apply to them. Yet he was called in by the FMF, by Tata Martina, to play some international friendlies. But apparently, for a youth player and someone who is already playing for the United States, for the national team, on a youth or senior level. He shouldn't have done that. Did he file the papers for the one-time switch? No, he has not. From both Jenny Chu and Hercules Gomez. And so the FMF is in trouble. For he was called into the national team. He was in the match, whether as a starter or a sub, it does not matter. He played. Or maybe just being on the bench was just enough for this to happen. Also on this story, Michelle Giannone of Univision Deportes, also on that story, apparently made up allegations of well, there is a piece of paper where FMF contacts U.S. Soccer. Hey, can we allow this player? Would you allow this player to uh, play for Mexico on the national team if you are not going to use them anymore? And of course, that's not true. So as of right now, as of right now, the FMF is in deep trouble with FIFA as they broke international rules. International football rules are broken, ladies and gentlemen. And the FMF scrambling to get the one-time switch document for Zendejas to sign and say, listen, just sign this and everything will be fine. What are you talking about? Well, we want you to sign this so we don't get in trouble. In trouble for what? We, we signed, we, you called me, you know, you called you into our national team to play a friendly. 
We thought you switched. No, I didn't switch. Well, then sign in this. Well, I don't want to sign it. I want to play for the U.S. I love playing for a Mexican club. I love playing for Club America. But I, uh, I still want to play for the U.S. national team and play on the men's national team in the future. And there lies the rub. There lies the rub. Mr. Zendejas is still looking at the U.S. men's national team. We don't know where he'll be down the road for his playing career. We don't know what he'll be determined as if he continues to hope and wish he gets that opportunity for the national team. Um, But let me just say this. This is highly irresponsible by the Federation of Mexican Football to assume, to assume that Alejandro Zendejas gave up his rights to be a U.S. men's national team player and have him play for El Tree. It's a dangerous game, ladies and gentlemen. And this is where you... As a football player of Mexican descent, whether it be Omir Fernandez of the New York Red Bulls, David Ochoa, now of D.C. United, and any other player who was born in this country and does decide to play for Mexico, please make sure the documents and the official papers are in order. But let me just say this. I want to be clear where I stand in all this. My word is not law here. I wish every American, no matter what color of their skin they are, white, African-American, Hispanic, Asian, American Indian, Hindu Indian, American, Arab American, I do not care. I will welcome you to the national teams of the United States, either men or women. Why? Because I want to see our national team do well, and I want to see our national team be strong. I want our national team to have the most talented players, not just born in this country, developed in this country, playing in this country, and playing abroad, everywhere. I want them to show the world why this country is officially a footballing nation. And if you do wish to play for El Tree, by all means, go ahead. But if you want to remain home and play for the red, white, and blue, for the Stars and Stripes, my arms are wide open. All of our arms are wide open. Come on in. Because the point is, we want you to be successful, regardless of what part of that southern border you're on, either north of it here in the States or south of it in Mexico. We want you to be successful and to show the world and even our rivals, we are developing players better than you. And when it comes to David Ochoa, who was a part of the U.S. men's national team youth pool. And in the Olympic qualifiers, not 
this past CONCACAF tournament, which added a Olympic qualification berth. But the last summer games, where they did not qualify for the Olympics, David Ochoa, I would say a loose, a bit of a loose cannon, got offended way too easily when Greg Berhalter did not use him in a friendly against Costa Rica at Rio Tinto Stadium because that was at the time his home stadium and playing for Real Salt Lake. Now he's with DC United. And from that point on, he decided to make the one-time switch. And the truth is, he's a damn good goalkeeper. Damn good goalkeeper. Now, whether he was teased about being a Mexican-American, that should not have been the case. That should not be into what your friends see in you. They should respect you for who you are and what you do. Let them try and stop that shot. Let them try and play goal goalie in a professional setting. But to be upset that you were not picked to play a half as the Real Salt Lake at Rio Tinto Stadium wearing the men's national team kits in the keeper kits and deciding to make that move to go to Mexico now. We don't even know if Mexico's ever going to use you. We don't even know who the next Memo Ochoa will be coming out of Mexico. All I know is you rushed it and you hell, you may not get another, you may not get the opportunity you're looking for. But you made the one-time switch, so that's it. You can't come back. But we'll have to wait and see what the situation will be. Other than that, we don't know what the penalties will be by FIFA. Maybe they will be groveling at the mercy of FIFA. We don't know if that will ever happen. But if it does, I do not know what the punishment will be. It could be docking of qualification points. It could be docking of Gold Cup points. It could be a suspension of not playing in an official CONCACAF tournament match. Meaning, not the entire tournament, but meaning maybe one group stage game, they get kicked out. They may even get kicked out of a CONCACAF Nations League game since that's an official tournament match as well under FIFA's eyes in CONCACAF. We shall see what will happen, but other than that, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting to see somewhere down the road what FIFA will do with the FMF. But until then... Somebody in, in the FMF needs to pay better attention when it comes to these uh, dual citizens or these dual-born players, Mexican descent, born in the U.S. At least, thank goodness for U.S. soccer at this point in time. Those ducks are in a row. All right, ladies and gentlemen, later on I will be joined by a Mr. Um, excuse me, uh, Fabian 
excuse, yeah, Fabian Renkel, who covers the San Jose Earthquakes. We'll talk about the New York Red Bulls, big victory at home over Inter-Miami. But first, unfortunately, Carter Krishner cannot make it tonight to talk about the UEFA Champions League draw, as well as Americans in the those clubs that in the UEFA Champions League. But if we can get to the draw uh, groups right now, I got to say, this is going to be a damn good Champions League matchups here as we get ready for this one. In Group A, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Glasgow, Rangers FC, or Rangers FC, and my, oh my, how amazing is that when you have two players, American, in James Sands and Malik Tillman, how those two were the big, big winners during qualification stages in the playoffs of the qualification stages to make the draw of the group stage. Rangers coming up big on the road at PSV Eindhoven of the Eredivisie in the Netherlands. And they find a way to get the goal, thanks to Malik Tillman on the pressure of the lackadaisical ball movement of Eindhoven. And then bang, 1-0. And I got to tell you, folks, I got to tell you, what we saw, if you did watch it, on the Paramount Plus app through CBS Sports. And they're going to have their hands full. At least we all know with Liverpool. Ajax, while still considered a top club in the Netherlands, in recent years of you know, international football competitions, especially the UEFA Champions League, and I would also say Europa League. I have not seen a conference match yet, but we'll have to wait and see when we get there. If I even do watch it, we'll see what happens. But Ajax is not the world club power they used to be during these UEFA Champions League games. But let me just say this. Comes to these matches, especially Napoli, who is also a very solid opponent in Italy. I truly believe if Rangers can get at least four wins in this group and finish second, because I think Liverpool will finish first. I know they're off to a bad start. They finally broke out with that 9-0 victory over Bournemouth this past weekend in the, in the Premier League. I, I truly believe that Rangers should be able to move on to the knockout stage into the round of 16. Until then, as of right now, I would go with Liverpool finishing first, Rangers finishing second. We'll see what Napoli can do because I think they're the dark horse, but I believe Ajax will be eliminated uh, from the group stage. B, we have Porto, Atletico Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen, and Club Bruges. Now, for all of you that are Canadians out there that do listen to this show, Tejon Buchanan currently plays for that club in, the, in Belgium, in Club Bruges. Even though one of the top clubs in Belgium, I don't know how they'll fare in the UEFA Champions League in this group. Atletico Madrid, very tough. Bayer Leverkusen, 
has a good track record in Champions League. They may have some problems, but I think they may survive. But, you know, Porto Porto has done well in the past recent years, starting to slip a little bit. But honestly, someone's got to take that top spot because I think if Club Bruges does find a way to get that second spot, I think they'll go to the uh, round of 16. Not because it's Buchanan, not just because he's a former New England Revs player or he's a Canadian international. It's just that quality of the club you have to look at. And at the moment, I don't know how big the quality is, but you know they're, they're, they're one of the top clubs in Belgium. But if you're looking at it throughout the continent, club-wise, internationally, I'm not quite sure. Group C, Bayern Munich. What can you say? Just give it. Just let Bayern Munich win it. Barcelona, Inter Milan, and Victor Pleasant. I mean, no Americans here. Uh, you know, Chris Richard no longer with Bayern Munich. You know, Alfonso Davies is there for Canada. But we all know Bayern Munich's Bayern Munich. They're gonna get out. They're gonna. They're gonna take the top spot. And I think Barcelona will be able to get out as well. So I would say the top two easily will be Bayern Munich, Barcelona. Here we go with Group D. Eintracht Frankfurt, Tottenham Hotspurs, Sporting Club Portugal or Sporting Lisbon, and Marseille. Eintracht Frankfurt, Timothy Chandler, part of that group in the German club. And boy, oh boy, oh boy. What an opportunity they're going to have. But I'll say this. Even though I think Tottenham will get out of the group in the top spot, I think it'll be a toss-up between Frankfurt and Sporting Club Portugal. Someone's going to have to find a way to basically sneak in and take that second spot, depending on how the schedule will look for them, for those two sides when they face each other. But I do hope both of them will face each other in the final group stage match so we can get ourselves a roaring, roaring moment to fight for that second spot. Group E, AC Milan, Chelsea, Red Bull Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb. I think we all know for a fact Chelsea and Milan will advance. Chelsea, of course, with Christian Pulisic. Transfer window still open. Not many days left. It sounds like they're going to keep Christian Pulisic Chelsea, even though he hasn't had much time at the moment. But we'll have to wait and see what the situations will be as we go along here. Um, But I have a funny feeling that Pulisic will be probably transferred somewhere in the summer window once once he returns from um, the World Cup. So we'll see what happens there. Group F, Real Madrid, the defending champions, Red Bull Leipzig, Shakhtar Donetsk, Celtic. Of course, as we said before, Cameron Carter-Victors on Celtic. Real Madrid will definitely take the group. And uh, it really, really should be 
a uh, big big moment for them. And I cannot wait to see what will happen with Christian Pulisic in E and of course in F. We'll advance into the knockout stages. Man, Group G. Manchester City. We also have Sevilla. Borussia Dortmund. And FC Copenhagen. Which I really believe we're going to have Dortmund and City together in groups in the first and second position, respectively. Dortmund, of course, Giovanni Reina. Hopefully he'll be fit enough to play. We've been reading about his injury issues, and hopefully uh, those will be um, squared away. And once again, finally, Group F, EFGH, excuse me, Group H, uh, PSG, Juventus, Benfica, and from Israel, Maccabi Haifa, and that is goalkeeper Josh Cohen, the American, the Jewish-American goalkeeper. I mean, we've got to be realistic here. It would be nice to see him pulling off a, a at least an upset somewhere, but I think PSG and Juventus are too strong, and those two will get out of the group stage. So that's where I see it once again. And uh, all you can do now is hope that some of our American players will move ahead. And of course, let's not forget Weston McKinney on Juventus. I think he'll be very dangerous for them as well, which he always is. And he goes out and he does the job. So once again, coming out of Group A, once again, Liverpool and Longshot Rangers. Group B, Atletico Madrid and Bayer Leverkusen. Group C, Bayern Munich Barcelona. That's too easy. Group D, Tottenham Hotspur. And I'll give the edge to Eintracht Frankfurt. Group E, Chelsea and AC Milan will get out. Group F, Real Madrid. And uh, I'll go along with... I'll, I'll, go on, I'll go on a limb and I'll say Celtic. Group G, Manchester City. And actually, I'm sorry, I made a mistake there. Uh, Group B, AC Milan, Chelsea, F, Real Madrid, and I'll go on the limb saying Red Bull, Leipzig, Manchester City for Group G, and Borussia Dortmund, Group H, PSG, Juventus. And that, my friends, is where I stand on the UEFA Champions League. So we'll have to wait and see what will happen there. And, of course, everything's going to start next month. Don't forget, watch all UEFA Champions League matches over at the Paramount Plus app through CBS Sports. This should be a lot of fun. This should be exciting. I cannot wait to see what will happen in those games. And good luck to our American players playing in the Champions League. It should be a lot of fun. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me right now, he covers the San Jose earthquakes for multiple publications, obviously, SB Nation, one of them, with Centerline Soccer. Joining me right now is Fabian Rinkle covering the San Jose Earthquakes. Fabian, good, Fabian, excuse me, Fabian, good evening, and how are you? Hey, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show, and, and I appreciate the flowers. Yeah, I do do a lot of publications uh, with a lot of different guys, so thank you so much. No problem at all. I mean, you know, hell of a resume here you got. Area Sportsnet, Open, U.S. Open Cup, the Cup.us, um, SB Nation, also uh, Telemundo. You were featured on Telemundo, Métis Soccer Show. I will not yeah, ask that's... who your Métis is, so, uh, <laughs> but you can go ahead. Who's... No, no. no that's, uh, that's my own show. That's the Mate, Mate Soccer Show because I speak fluent Spanish. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. No worries. No worries. It's oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so we, no, uh, that's I, fine. I bring on that's MLS fine. players. No worries. I bring on MLS players to talk about anything from uh, Mate all the way to, you know, soccer. But, yeah, I, I had a thought about making a show because in, in the you know early stages of MLS, well, nowadays we're in MLS 4.0, but uh, there was a lot of, you know, South American talent that was coming up and being DPs, and they always brought their traditions and, and everything with them. So a lot of American guys, like a guy like Fafa Picall from Houston, you know, was, grew up drinking mate, so it was, it was a little odd to me. So I, I bring on a couple of guys like that to talk about mate and, and if they have ever tried it and things like that and, and have fun. Oh, so that's how you spell it. I thought it'd be a, some, I thought it'd be a different uh, spelling, I guess, but with two T's. I, the Y kind of fooled me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, mate e meaning hand, and then in English soccer, right? So. Uh huh. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, good for you. Have you had Diego Fagundes on yet? No, so that's I was in the works, um, but they actually started their their own little podcast for Austin FC, where it's the three the three Mate guys. So I, I was in the works to kind of be on the show or be involved a little bit with that. So I'm excited about that too. Good, good, good for you. Very happy to hear that. Well, let's go ahead and move on here. Obviously, uh, as always, and no, I shouldn't say always because look, we want all clubs to get a shot at the playoffs or at least a shot at the MLS Cup Championship. And and I know it's been a while since the earthquakes were ever involved in an MLS Cup, uh, you know, title race or at least an Open Cup uh, title race. Uh, when they had that opportunity back in 2017 against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, yeah. Thought they were going to do it uh, that year. Unfortunately, they lost in a penalty kick shootout. But what have you seen since the coaching change from the earthquakes that makes you think they're finally back on the right track? Yeah, so basically from that time that you were talking about in 2017, we've had Matias Almeida come in, a guy who you know possibly shouldn't have picked us in the first place, maybe a guy who – was sold a pipe dream and, and didn't come to fruition. Um, but, you know, that was kind of a bad breakup for us. We were in a little bit of a disarray this season. Alex Covello stepped in and brought, you know, some, some fire to the table, but at the end ultimately couldn't get the job done. Um, it's not over yet, I would say, but it's, it's looking like a long shot. We would have to win, you know, six out of the seven games, so almost on the brink of not reaching the playoffs. And, and Luchi Gonzalez coming in next year is bringing a breath of fresh air to all of the fans and, and the whole community out there because we know his pedigree. We know the guys he took from FC Dallas and made them into European stars. And at the end of the day, 
you know, it's going to be a nice thing finally seeing Quakes players somewhere else besides, you know, MLS. And, and that is going to happen, and we are super excited. I mean, Marcos Lopez was our left back this year. He plays for the Peruvian national team. He went over to uh, Feyenoord. So, uh, you know, we're finally seeing our guys reach their potentials. And, and with this new change at GM2, Chris Leach, he was a player, former player, and he was a former coach for the Quakes. Now he's the GM. He's more MLS-centric. Um, it's nice to see that the, the, the club looks like they're going in the right direction. So it, it, is, it is a positive kind of feeling around the club. What's it like? And I understand, obviously, other front office moves were made. And, you know, obviously, Chris Leach, a former Columbus Crew Metro Star slash Red Bull player here in the new here in the Northeast, as well as uh, having John Wolinick, who has been successful for the New York Red Bulls in USL Championship. Of course, this is their final season in USL Championship. But to have a man like John Wolinick in the front office to help out. Uh, with scouting and assisting Chris Leach with players in the San Jose area and maybe other players in the Bay Area to bring over and to uh, add to their to the academy. What's that like to see uh, John Walnick being added to the front office? Yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting, right? I think San Jose and everybody around here understands that our market's pretty big. Since Sacramento isn't in the, the M- at an MLS at the moment, we actually have a pretty big reach when it comes to uh, having MLS homegrowns and having academy talents. So they understand that, and they understand um, having this golden generation upcoming. And, again, this, this signing of Aluchi Gonzalez is kind of just the nail on the head here. We're going to become a, a selling club or at least a club that wants to compete with their own academy guys or wants to compete with the guys they have in their pipeline. And, and that signing just goes ahead and, and makes it so – that it's going to be a, 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 a it's going to be a process, but at the same time, it's going to be something where they're going to be our homegrowns, they're going to be our local guys, they're going to be guys from Northern California too. So not just the Bay Area, it's going to be guys from the north, and and we're going to see what's going to going to happen in the next coming years. But exciting, definitely exciting. No, absolutely. And oops, where was the stupid thing? Uh, no, absolutely. And you know, I gotta tell you. Uh, Fabian, just to see, you know, we we always remember the San Jose Earthquakes or the Clash being one of those top sides in the West. And I know it's been a rough going these past decade or so, even though we've had some successes here and there. But what's life like without Chris Wondolowski? We all know the big goals he has scored, the clutch goals he scored. To, to move on from his era now, do you feel as you've said already about the change in, you know, in the front office and the coaching staff, do you feel now that Quakes fans are feeling maybe finally we're going to get something positive back our way? Um, with Chris Wondolowski leaving, unfortunately, it, a lot of Quakes fans feel like we kind of squandered his, his years here. We feel like, it, we, you know, we should have built a better team around him so that he could even have more goals, right? So, it's just it's it's really unfortunate that we weren't able to at least in his final years try to get a playoff berth or even a, you know a second playoff game because um, he deserved that. I mean he deserved at least a chance at an MLS Cup and and a chance to to reach greatness and, and he already has on his own right. But he's always a team centric guy, so I felt like that was something that he always wanted to go ahead and and have on his podium. But at the same time, he's actually an assistant coach for us now. So Jeremy Abobasi's kind of resurgence of having that goal-scoring record or, or getting close to it for the Quakes or having a crazy goal-scoring year is 
it's not something that we didn't see coming. I mean, if you're going to be working with the best MLS goal scorer of all time, day in and day out, you're going to pick up some things. And he's talked about it every, you know, every time he has a chance that how much this coaching staff and Wanolowski, how much they put faith in him to go ahead and score and, and do what he has to do as the main striker. And, and honestly, to be honest, yes, Chris Wondolowski, losing Chris Wondolowski is, is, is a big – Jeremy Mobsey has stepped right in, and he scored a ton of goals. And, was, I mean, if we had a better team out there, we'd, we'd probably be in the MLS, or MLS MVP you know, talk or even uh, Golden Boot candidate. So this is something that um, we are really lucky. I mean, Chris Leach made a, made a great acquisition by getting Jeremy Obobese for, I want to say, about $1.2 million, uh, Tam and Gam. So at the end of the day, we got a goal scorer and someone that steps right into that Wondolowski role for really cheap. So that, that was a great move by Chris Leach. And, and to bring Wando in on the staff to make sure that he has everything in his you know, uh, arsenal to go ahead and score goals is, is, is even a smarter one. What would you say is the biggest problem or problems the earthquakes are having right now that really needs to be fixed? And, it, you know, it can be one thing. It could be a multitude, multi, uh, multitude of things. What do you think they need to do to fix, and what type of system do you think they should play? Yeah, so at the same time, I, I, I give Chris Leach his, his flowers and I praise him. I'm going to be a little critical of him here. Um, we did not have any de- defensive depth this year, um, and that was known. We only made one defensive signing during the, the off season, and that defensive signing actually was sold to a Turkish club uh, mid mid season. So at the same time, we we you know brought in a guy Francisco Calvo. If you guys you know know your MLS, wasn't the best guy, um, but he brought a veteran presence into the locker room. We we sold him halfway through the season because we got an offer for him. We didn't have any defensive depth, so we've been playing. We've, we are still playing with two um, two left backs on the field, and and at the moment, or two right backs on the field. Even it's just we don't have defensive depth, good MLS quality defensive depth. Because now with the MLS Next Pro, you know you bring in young guys, and yes, you have you have a spot to fill in every position. But having MLS quality is something that is just an intangible when it comes to a locker room and it comes to playing against your Gareth Bells or even playing against your Brian Rodriguez's from LAFC, but he's not there anymore. But just having MLS, you know, knowledge is just is so crucial to have a great team in this league, and especially going on the road, traveling, uh, long distances, and understanding that you have to go ahead and, 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 and train yourself to do these long-distance travels because at the end of the day, we're one of the only leagues in the world that travels this much. So MLS experience is something that's on – um, on the radar for us and something that we always desperately needed, especially in the defensive positions. Um, we brought in two guys this last uh, transfer window, um, but they're still not playing. And, again, we, we played four games, five games, maybe six, where we needed the more offen- or defensive depth. Offensively, this team's sound. It's great. We have great guys coming off the bench like a Kate Cowell or even a Benji Kakanovich, two guys that are local guys that are playing great. But – the defensive end, yeah, we have we have Tommy Thompson. I don't know if you guys have been in MLS quite quite a while, but or listening to MLS things for quite a while. He's been on our team for almost about ten years now, and he was a attacking ten, and he he played for Sacramento, and now he's our right back. So yes, he's done a great job transitioning to it, and yes, he's done a great job covering the, the role. But at the end of the day, we do need to bring some sort of you know defensive prowess to to, to go against you know, the Bales and the Bellas and, and other teams that are just going crazy, like the Insignias and, and all the new guys in MLS. So 
personally, that was our biggest problem this year was the defensive depth. Not not the grit in the guys. The guys give everything they have, and they do a great job training in, training, you know, day in and day out. It was just on this on this season, I'll go ahead and go ahead and say that Chris Leach could have prepared us a little better, but it comes with time. It comes with experience at the GM role, understanding that, yes, you know, I don't want to overpay for guys, but having some sort of defensive depth would have been a great, great difference here. Um, with with the Quakes because there was games where we dropped points at home where the last second goal ourselves scored and again we, we would have used you know we, it would have been nice to have a good MLS veteran in in the back line there um, for the Quakes and and I like the system that they're playing currently um, I was actually a big fan of the Matias Almeida kind of uh, headless chicken ball if you want to call it that way the man to man but um, I liked it because it was exciting I mean we had Dom, Dominic Kinnear I'm not sure if you guys know about him but Dominic Kinnear yep. was a very, very defensive play or defensive minded coach, and we would win one zero games, and nobody would show up to games. But with Matias Almeida, he, he, I mean, yes, we would lose seven to one, but the next day we would win six to two. So exciting football, yes, it was. Maybe not made for MLS because the pressure that he was trying to do and the travel and the, the depth, it just didn't work out. But I, I like the current system that they're in right now. It's very similar to Matias Almeida, but they're not pressing as much. Um, so I feel like Alex Covello's quakes is, is kind of a good middle ground, and we'll see what Lucci brings. So basically with Chris Leach, you have the plumber's putty that's not strong enough, and you can't stop the leaks out of the pipes. I understand that. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, if that's the great analogy I can think of, but uh, I can understand where you're coming from. So, uh, um, But then who would you say right now, uh, if you want to highlight future players out of Quakes 2 in MLS Pro yeah. Next, who or in the academy, who do you think, you know, either attacking, creative, defensive yeah. mid, back line, keeper, who do you think is ready to make that next step for the earthquakes in the future, even for next season? Yeah. So if you guys are old, old um, older uh, United States men's national team fans, um, Nico uh, Sakadis is a guy whose dad played for the United States men's national team. He's someone that right now can make an, an impact playing for the first team. I know we have a hole at the, at the 10 as a sub, and he, he comes in and he changes the game. He's only 16 years old, and that's someone I would keep an eye out for. As well as um, the Quakes fans were very, really excited when Osteni Buda dropped to us in the MLS Super Draft because he had a you know he didn't have a green card, and, and it was the best offensive talent in the whole draft. So keep an eye out for Osteni Buda. He's a guy who Quakes fans are banking on to, you know, take over the role of the wing someday for them. As well as one last guy here, um, Cruz Medina is someone that everybody should know in the United States right now. Um, he was a player that Bayern Munich was going ahead and looking at to maybe try to steal some talent from us. But he ended up taking a homegrown sign uh, contract from the Quakes. But, again, this guy was the, was the captain for the MLS next um, all-star team so he was he was the captain for the west side um a, a great kid coming out he's on mls next um he's in the academies as well as the um, mls next pro team um so this kid can easily go from all three ranks depending on you know if he's needed he can go to the first team and he's only 15 years old so this guy cruz medina is someone that quakes fans were ecstatic that we actually went ahead and signed to a homegrown contract. So keep an eye out for him. So he's the one that scored the opening uh, golasso in the all-star game of the MLS next, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's the guy. Oh, wow. 
and his dad was on the bench with him. Too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, is um, yeah, he's a nice kid too. I mean, he he's always he's always supporting our show, so you know, I, I have a little bias there, but still, <laughs> look out for him. He's a great guy. No, I bet he is, and you know what? That's good. That's great to hear. You know, father son. Uh, obviously, we all know at times. You know, the cl- uh, I forget the name of the word. Of course, you know, fathers who are coaching their sons, whether it be in MLS or in uh, AYSO, um, favoritism to their own child and stuff, which I don't think that'd be the case anyway. But, you know, just to see the, you know, the dad on the bench on the West All-Stars of MLS Next, so proud to see his son score that big goal in the All-Star game. That was wonderful to watch through Twitter. I really enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, yeah, especially um, someone that is extremely talented. I mean, it's pretty easy. This isn't, I mean, even Bob Bradley had, you know, Michael <laughs> Michael Bradley as well. So it could be a second, you know, coming of this. So um, Cruz Medina is a guy to watch. He's he's a great talent. Um, you know, maybe he only stays in MLS two more years, but take an eye, keep an eye on him and, and the Quakes next couple of years. Okay, since you also write the Cup.us, and we all yeah. know what's coming next week, the big Open Cup final between Orlando City and Sacramento Republic, Bay Area, Northern California, you're over there. I got to ask you this question. Will this be the biggest cup set since 1999? Well, I think everyone's, I mean, there's some in Quake's camp that, you know, don't want Sacramento to win because they think it could have been them. (laughs) But uh, Sacramento is a different atmosphere. They have a killer, killer home crowd. Um, this is a this is a city that you know really wants an MLS team, and it was evident. I actually went out to the game where the Quakes played in Sacramento, and man, that supporter session that they had was killer. It was so terrifying. It was something that was I want to say about four stories tall. It just towered over anything the Quakes tried to do on the offensive side, and it was something to really awe at. Um, something that the Quakes need to take a little bit from there you know, the Sacramento playbook and, and kind of instill that in their own um, home stadium. But uh, I think, I think to be honest, Sacramento is a different team away from home. I'll be honest with that. Orlando's looking really nice these days with getting a lot of last-minute goals. Uh, Tesho Akindeli got on the board and, 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 and propelled them to get a win versus New York City. Personally, would love to see an upset. I think everybody in, in the United States will, and it would be great for USL, and it would be great for all the second, you know, divisions of all the countries. But I think Orlando is just too talented, especially in a final at home with Facundo Torres and, and Pato and, and Ruan. I think these players are different. Uh, I, you know, no offense to Sporting Kansas City, and LA Galaxy for not taking the game seriously, but we all know Orlando's going to take this game by the horns because they're going to go ahead and start all their starters, all their world-class players that they have, and try to really put it to them. Um, I, you know, this Cinderella story might end here for me. That I think Orlando will go ahead and, and take the win. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Fabian Wrinkle covering the San Jose Earthquakes uh, for many publications, SB Nation, Centerline Soccer, as well as Area Sportsnet and other publications as well. Fabian, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Hope to have you back on again soon, and good luck with the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you so, so much for having me on, and, and uh, 
we'll we'll look forward to speaking soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good night. Take care. Take care. That's Fabian Rankle once again covering the San Jose Earthquakes for Area Sports Network and SB Nation's Centerline Soccer uh, covering the San Jose Earthquakes. So now we're going to move on to uh, the Red Bulls segment. Big victory for the New York Red Bulls over 10 men. Well, I should say it was actually 10-10 at the end of it, but a 3-1 victory over Inter-Miami as it was a golazo by Gonzalo Higuain to make it 1-0 on a foul that should never have happened, but of course it did. And once again, it was the dynamic right foot of Gonzalo Higuain that lasered that ball into the upper 90 inside the near corner of the net. And uh, what a world-class shot that was. I mean, you know, what are you going to do when this Argentine international does those magical things. And then you see the kids coming up big. And once again, you saw John Tolkien with a nice little back heel flick leading Lewis Morgan towards goal. And he buried the ball for his 12th of the year to make it 1-1. And then in the second half, it was all Red Bulls because what happened, as we all saw, Pozuelo of Inter-Miami was trying to track the ball and he lifted his right leg up. And then, of course, here comes towards him Andreas Reyes. And he planted his right boot studs into the chest of Andreas Reyes. Now, if you are able to watch a repeat of that match on ESPN Plus, or if you're from the area and you are going to rewatch that game on MSG Go app, or if you DVR the game, the referee is Fotis Pozakos, and for some stupid reason, it was in his line of sight. And then he gave out the yellow card. And I don't understand why you give a yellow card like that. That should not have been a yellow card. That's a red card all day, all night. And I had to take VAR, call him over to say to him, change the color. And after he saw it, he did. And then Inter-Miami goes down to 10 men. And then, in the start of the second half, Philip Neville, the head coach of Inter-Miami, subs out. Gonzalo Higuain. He's already going for the low block. He's going to prevent the Red Bulls from getting a second goal. They're going to try and steal a second goal. The first goal in MLS for Mr. Daniel Edelman as he takes advantage of a defensive gaffe by Miami. While up a man. Kyle Duncan crosses the ball. The the Inter-Miami defender heads it down and away. And then here comes Edelman rushing to the ball, timing it perfectly on the half volley and basically knee buckles the the goalkeeper and makes it 2-1. 
Later on, Kyle Duncan would get a second yellow card. Red suspended for the midweek game against Montreal. But great ball to Caden Clark. He goes short side, finally scores his goal, first of the season, to make it 3-1 Red Bulls. And the New York Red Bulls are off and running, and they, they basically win at home for the first time in a long time, fourth win of the season. And it was the kids, along with the Super Scotsman, that went out and did the job. And I have to say, that was amazing to watch. That was a great, great game. Now, while Daniel Edelman does get man of the match by the New York Red Bulls for scoring the game-winning goal, in reality, my man of the match has been, in this one, Christian Casseris Jr., the motor he ran on, fighting for the ball, trying to cut through so many defenders to score. And when it looked like he did, unfortunately, it was Patrick Lamala in an offside position, even though he didn't touch the ball, but he did play the ball. Calendar, but once again, the offside flag went up and VAR confirmed it was offside. And so that would be the end of that opportunity for a 1-1 tie until Lewis Morgan made it 1-1 late in the first half. All you can really say is is that Christian Casseris Jr. And I just found out that many clubs wanted to transfer him to their club, probably in Europe. And we're offering a $2.5 million transfer Christian Casseris Jr. Obviously, the Red Bulls felt it was too cheap. And I don't blame them. They wanted more. The way that Casseris Jr. has basically made himself strong, made himself into a two-way player, not just on great defense, but now a solid attack player on the offense I don't blame the Red Bulls for asking more I don't blame them for wanting more money even though this would help him on his national team career with Venezuela which he is already a part of but once again I really believe that if they're going to transfer him the Red Bulls the offers must come a lot higher and I don't blame them. There are more down the pipeline at Red Bulls 2 and the Academy. But until then, Casper's Jr. will remain a New York Red Bull player. Goalkeeping from Carlos Coronel once again. Just doing wonderful things, Coronel. And uh, just keep on playing strong defensive goalkeeper and everything will be just fine. So for the New York Red Bulls right now, still in fourth place in the East. One point behind New York City FC for third as they lost to Orlando on Sunday night. They're going to host East United while the Red Bulls will be on the road in Montreal. And then over the weekend, they'll be back home to take on the Eastern Conference leading side, Philadelphia Union. This is going to be a big game, folks, on Wednesday. They've done very well on the road. 
Stats of Pudo has been a bit of a jinx. So let's see what they can do if they can hopefully capitalize on a victory over there. So we'll have to wait and see. The only victory was at the Olympic Stadium, the former home of the Montreal Expos in the 1980 Summer Olympic Games. Again, they're going to have to find a way to get three points in Montreal, and hopefully they will be able to do so without so much interference out of VAR and Canadian referees. Anyway, we'll see what happens on Wednesday night. That'll be seen at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Well, let me just double check that to make sure. But I believe it is a 7.30 p.m. start time uh, on MSG Network with Steve Cangelo, C-Shep Messing on the call, Michelle Gindris, pre-game and halftime. So get ready for that. It should be exciting. And very soon, ladies and gentlemen, the 2022 U.S. Open Cup Final on September the 7th on ESPN Plus. For the final time on ESPN Plus, it should be exciting and a lot of fun. And I cannot wait to see what will happen there. I'm ready for it. I know all of you are ready for it. Orlando City hosting Sacramento Republic. This should be exciting and fun. I personally cannot wait. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my guests tonight, Fabian Renkel, talking about the earthquakes. Thank you, uh, Ravian, for joining me tonight. And to all of you, thank you for listening to the Four East Fire American Soccer Show here on blogtalkradio.com. I'll talk to you next week as the preview for the Open Cup Final will begin this coming Monday night. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.